forgiven, that we might enter into relationship with you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that you sent to live in us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. That you're here to lead us, you're here to guide us, you're here to teach us, to anoint us. You are our helper, you're our strength, you're our all in all. Grant unto us tonight a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of our heart would be open, they'd be flooded with light. That we might know what is the expectation of our calling. We might know the riches of the glory of your inheritance for us as saints. We might know your exceeding greatness of your power. To release towards us who believe, that same power that raised Christ from the dead. Seated him at your own right hand in heavenly places. That authoritative power, that miracle working power, has been released towards us who believe. That we truly might overcome in life. We thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory for what will be accomplished in every heart and in every life. By your word and your spirit tonight, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good evening, church. How are you this evening? How are you this evening? Praise the Lord. Well, why don't you greet three or four people around you? Tell them you're glad that they're here tonight. Youth, you can be dismissed. get spread out on Sunday night, don't you? <laughs> Praise God forever. Amen. Well, welcome. I want to remind you of just a couple of things that are coming up. Uh, uh, the um, predictable success class, if you haven't been on that uh, small group, uh, it'd be good to go on the app, get into that. You know, the Bible, uh, certainly as Alan has shared some of that uh, in doing the offering, uh, the Bible is full of really passages that give us the understanding of predictable success. And God says, if you do these things, this will happen, right? Meditate in the word day and night. You'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. If you do these things, you'll be neither barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God wants us to have predictable success. And so that's going to be a, a, a tremendous small group. Uh, get in on that. Uh, sign up for that. July 14th and 15th, our Stand Tall Men's Conference. You don't want to miss it. Men, uh, go ahead and get signed up. If you know people who aren't signed up, tell them to sign up. Uh, we want to get a, a record of how many men are coming because we're going to feed you. And so if you wait till the last minute, we have to run around and, and, and make sure we have enough for everybody. Uh, so you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great time. Our theme is pure power. And uh, Addison Bevere is going to be with us, the author of the book Saints. And he's also got a, a, a new book out um, um, what? No, that's John's. Oh, man, that's a bummer when I say he's got a new book out. And then I forgot. Words with God. Thanks. I knew it was something we have awe of God. Words with God, a tremendous book on prayer. And so uh, he's going to be sharing some awesome things with us. Men, he's been with us in our two men's conferences, and, and it's just amazing. Uh, the anointing that's on his life to share with us. So you want to bring other men. Uh, it's going to be an awesome awesome time. Amen? If you weren't here this morning or you weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, I want to give you an opportunity uh, to give. If you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. If you're giving by text, it's up there. If you're online and you want to join us in giving, um, you can go to the Give button 
and participate in that. Just as we were talking about this morning, there's that place of tithes and offerings. And the word tithe means one-tenth. And when we begin to understand that in a greater measure, not just, oh, I brought something today uh, a little bit and put it in. But we, as we enter in and understand, we have a covenant with God. Again, you may hear this over and over and over again, but it's really the basis of a covenant. If we start to understand that, whatever covenant we're in, marriage with God, whatever, when you enter into that, everything that you have belongs to your covenant partner, and everything they have belongs to you. And so God was talking to the children of Israel at that point in Malachi and said they had left or they had departed from covenant in a number of different ways, and one of those was in acknowledging him in the tithe and in offerings. In other words, uh, saying this is all ours. We'll do with it what we want. The world doesn't have a covenant with you. They do whatever they want, and they seem to be doing just fine. So why do we have to do this? Well, they didn't have a covenant with God that they had to acknowledge, but they did. And so he said, as long as you acknowledge that and just bring one-tenth, one-tenth, I'll open up the windows of heaven. He said, if by one-tenth you'll acknowledge that everything you have comes from me, then I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that you'll not have room enough to receive it. But he says, if you withhold what you do have, he said, it stops the flow of my blessing coming upon your life. Amen. And so we fight, is that Old Testament or New Testament? Well, God's blessing is all throughout the Bible. When Jesus came, he came to deliver us from the curse of the law, right? So he said this, he said, when you're, when you're not tithing, therefore you're cursed. He didn't say he cursed them. He said they fall under uh, the curse that, that was there when people were in sin. And so he said, you've left me. In what way have you left me in tithes and offerings? He said, so you're under the curse. Well, Jesus delivered us from the curse of the law, not the blessing. It said, he delivered us from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. Amen? And so it exists all throughout. So we don't want uh, you know, anybody to be robbed of that blessing of God. Amen? People don't understand it. Uh, you know, they get uh, kind of crossways about it. But if you understand it, it's just really finding that place with God. We wonder why God wants something from us, but he wants to get something to us, right? We think people want something from us, so we hang on to it. But if we really saw that God wants to get enough to us so that we have more than enough, all sufficiency in everything, and able to give whenever he prompts us to give, that's really his heart's desire for us. Amen? Praise the Lord. We ready? Father, we just thank you. I praise you, magnify you, glorify you for everything that you have done in our life, what you're doing, the covenant that we have. You first gave. You gave everything. You gave Jesus to us. And as we receive him into our life, we enter into that great covenant with you, that covenant of divine life and blessing, a blessed life. And so every opportunity we get to acknowledge that, we are thankful. We acknowledge that uh, tonight in our tithes and offerings. And so, Father, as each one does, I thank you and command the blessing of your word upon each and every one as they give. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to pass those buckets. Praise the Lord. It's a great evening. Amen. So we've been talking this year, launching into from December of last year into this year, uh, just talking about things that God is doing, uh, that it would be a turning point year, uh, that there would be times uh, moments of significant change, right? There would be significant change. And then we started talking about uh, restoration while we were praying. It seemed like jubilee. Jubilee is a time of restoration. Then Alan got restoration, believing God for restoration of all things that the enemy has stolen. And so, you know, God has been speaking to us some things. We've been praying 
out some things. Mark Brzee in his book called Prayer Processing the Plan of God, he says one thing about the Lord's Prayer, uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said some things God has spoken already into the earth, but we've not yet seen, which means it's his will for us, but we've not yet seen it. So his will is restoration, we know that. His will is to have moments and encounters in time that will change your life forever. But sometimes we haven't seen that, and so we wonder. But we continue to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The things that we've seen, we know are your will. We continue to desire those. But some things you've said that we haven't seen. So we're declaring, your will be done. What you said you would do that we haven't yet seen yet we call into existence. And then there's another place where we hear something that God said, and by faith we embrace it. By faith we embrace it. There's times that we hear something and we're like, well, praise the Lord. If that happens, it happens. Good. Man, it's going to be a year of jubilee. Isn't that awesome? Year of restoration. Isn't that going to be awesome? Right? Turning point moments. Can't wait till mine comes. Well, that's not really what he wants us, how to, he wants us to respond. He wants us to grab a hold of it. Because yeah. when we do, we're like, that's what's happening this year, I own it. I grab a hold of it by faith. And it really makes a tremendous difference. And so, you know, we got a testimony uh, this week, an email sent to us. And uh, I just think it'll be a great encouragement to every single one of us concerning that. And so I asked Eileen to just come and give her testimony about that because I believe it's very important uh, for us to hear and to grab a hold of and to know what God is doing and what he'll do in your case. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, wow. Let me just breathe. <laughs> you know, when um, you, he talks about whether you catch it or whether you receive it and like you ponder it and all of that. But this was something when, when Pastor Mark and Alan in the beginning of the year talked about this being a Jubilee year, boy, it was like, like a baseball, just went boom, and I caught it. And, there, and not realizing that, it was like I would be actually in one of those batting cages like this, and balls would just be coming this year. And it's just amazing what God can do and what he can show us. And when we just stand in our faith and we're obedient to him, and um, when we heard about the Jubilee year and then Pastor Tasha came in with this year is going to be different. This time next year is going to be different. And it was like another thing that just like hit me right in my heart. And so um, in the beginning of the year, Peter and I decided to be very intentional. Intentional was the word for our year, was intentional with what we do, with what we pray about, with what we think about, and every morning staying faithful to what Pastor Mark was talking about today, walking with the Holy Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit, being obedient to the Holy Spirit. And so when we bought our house in 2015, the next year we heard the Holy Spirit say, pay the house off. <laughs> That was funny. That was really funny to us. <laughs> Still funny to us because we weren't supposed to pay the house off till 2045. But this, this year, well, we started really intentionally thinking and working toward, you know, how are we going to pay that off? What are we going to do? 
And so the culmination of it all, you know, and COVID hits and all that hits. And this year in March, we paid our house off. Yeah. Thank you, Peter. There, it was, and, and again, you know, Holy Spirit starts to funnel things into you in ways that you don't expect. So it is about catching it, receiving it, standing on it, and expecting that even though I don't know how it's going to happen, he is going to bring it to us. And that's exactly what he did for us. He, he, he helped us pay our house off. Um, then... Uh, a, a lot of you know about the history of my son and my son being in the military and um, him going to Leavenworth. And so he had to go away for four years uh, due to some personal spousal issues. Um, <clears throat> we thought he was going to get out. He didn't get out. We thought he was going to get out. He didn't get out. But his term was supposed to be at the end of this year in December. And they released him in April. So praise God. You know, that's another really cool thing. And even better about it is that he had to do a safety plan about visiting uh, family and all of that. And those safety plans usually end up taking a while. They can take a long time. Um, but in four weeks' time, he was allowed to see his son, Emmett. And so that was even better. And even better, he's been to church here. I don't know if you've seen him, but he's come to church several times since all of that. And, I mean, those are, like, such answered prayers and things that we stand on. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. This will be a year of restoration. All of that is culminating this year for us. Um, the other thing that happened was uh, Gage had hurt himself when he was on, uh, on a dirt bike, and a lot of you prayed for him. Thank you so much for praying for him. And that was in August last year. Um, most of his body had healed, but we ended up with a diagnosis that back here, two of the uh, nerves had were not alive. They were not alive. And so we went up to Denver, and the, the surgeon who looked at him, the neurologist, he's like, you know, we don't know. It doesn't look good, but get another test where they do an EMG and they check the nerves with electricity. Uh, we decided anyway to send the flag football. <laughs> and I was like, God, you're going to make a way. You're going to do this. He is going to get restored. We sent him to flag football. <laughs> and he's at flag football with one arm going only to here. But... By the time the two weeks of flag football, his arm was going up to here. And we went back again to see an, a hand specialist. And the guy's like, well, this is kind of strange because two weeks ago when he was diagnosed, he was only coming to here. Now his arm's coming up here. And, but it's still, we're not sure. So it took us about a month to go back, get another EMG. We went back and hallelujah, the doctor is like, they are alive. The nerves are alive. So, praise God, standing on, on restoration. So, we have not got the final result, but um, he said, earlier he said to us, if those nerves are alive, we probably won't do surgery. So, we're expecting, we're, we're expecting complete restoration for him because he's like, now he's here. So, we're excited about that. Um, uh, I have a couple more things, but I'm going to cut it short. <laughs> I have so many things, which are really awesome. Um, I went back to school. 
Holy Spirit told me to go back to school, to college. Go figure, I'm 60 years old. And I was like, college? You want me to go back to college? Yes, go back to college. When I went and I applied, I was like, I don't know if they'll do this. I had a, a, a GED, you know. <laughs> Will they let me do this? And not only did they accept me, let me go back in, but I got 15 credits from going to Bible school here. So, and from, I also had some other continuing education. And so they gave me 15 extra credits. And so I've been going, my first class, Old Testament, I got 100% on. So God is good. God is really good. He's restoring everything for me as to the value. And he's told me, I make an example of you. I'm going to make an example of you. You're 60, but you're only halfway through 120 years. You are given and you got a lot more to do. So the rest of you, I'm challenging you that if you are not 120, you still got work to do by the Lord. And one more really great thing um, I have to share. Um, Star, uh, who we adopted when she was 13 months old, um, has not seen her father um, for about nine and a half years. Um, when we adopted her, we lost track of him. The last we had heard was that he was in Leadville living and um, could not get communication. Social services was like, no, you know, just go through social services. Anyway, Holy Spirit, I, was, I went to visit my mother-in-law. We have birthdays a day after each other this weekend, uh, this past weekend. And we're in Buena Vista, and I knew that he had lived in Leadville. And Holy Spirit, as we were heading toward Leadville, said, go there. I had looked online. I had done all the internet search and everything. And the Holy Spirit said, go there and check again. Check his old address. And so pulled it up. I had to pay 99 cents to pull it up and find it out. <laughs> but I pulled it up and we went over to where he used to live and he wasn't there. And the people next door said, no, he doesn't live there anymore. However, he, they said who, who had lived there worked at Safeway and maybe they would have some information. And so I took Star and we went to Safeway and she was there. And she gave us his phone number. And, you know, the week before that, she said to me, I think my dad's dead. I think my mom's dead. And that's painful for someone who's trying to give children a lease on life, a new sh shot at life to hear things like that. You know, no matter how hard and how much we do for her, those things hurt. They hurt bad. But I'm here to say that David's here, her dad. After nine and a half years, we found him, and he has come to church today to spend time with Star and with us, and we're rekindling a relationship that had long been lost and thought to be dead. So God is restoring. It's a year of Jubilee, and we have stood on it. We stand on it, we believe in it, and we're not letting go of it. We're like, you know, that, that bulldog that will never let go of that, that leg. And I say, hang on to it, because he's coming in, and he is coming in like you're in a batting cage, and those balls are going to start coming at you, and you're going to be over the hill. And I am over the hill, 
excited about so far what God has given me and my family and our extended family and that I could share it with you. Thank you. Welcome, David. Glad you're here. Praise the Lord. That's a great testimony, isn't it? And the thing about testimony, uh, Pastor Jonathan has talked about this over and over, but the great thing about it is it means he'll do it again, yes. right? And God is no respecter of persons. If he did it for one, he'll do it for all. Amen. And so sometimes we look at that, but there's, there's things that you want to listen to and hear how it was grabbed a hold of. It was, it was like, that's mine. The year of restoration, an intentional look at it, believing, putting faith in that and seeing you know, things restored by the power of God. And so that's awesome. Uh, we celebrate with you, but we also say thank you because if God did it for you, he'll do it for us. His will be done as he said it on earth as it is in heaven, right here in every individual life as he said. So if there's something missing, something broken, something the enemy's taken uh, that you haven't seen, it's a year of restoration, a year of jubilee. If there's things that you're looking for and saying, I need a moment in time, I need an encounter with God, it's a turning point moment. And really look and understand if, if it, at this time right now, things aren't different, then take a look. Because God said a year ago, this time next year. And so some people are going, man, my life is different right now. It is different. Things have changed. Things have changed for us as a church. God's doing things even right now uh, that, I mean, if, you, if we were to know the whole of it, uh, it would be amazing. But sometimes we're just waiting. We're looking at the same thing as we were, and we say, did it change? Well, you can't have your focus on the same thing and see change. But if you just look around, uh, it's different. The atmosphere is different. Uh, the things are different. Restoration is different. Um, praise the Lord. Amen. So I just thought that'd be great to share with you. If you have a testimony, we, we like having those testimonies. It's going to be so honoring to God and what he's doing. And so I believe encouraging to each and every one of us as we hear it. And so when we got that, uh, we were just kind of relaxing and man, we just got excited. We celebrated with you. We were rejoicing. What a great, great time. Amen. Turn over to Ephesians chapter two. We'll just take a couple of minutes here. We're going through Ephesians. I told you when we started to do Ephesians on Sunday night, we'd have different things on Sunday night over the summer. We'd have testimonies. Uh, we'd have things that we, we would look at. And so, you know, we're not too stressed about it. We want to uh, get the word of God to us uh, so we can get that down in our hearts. One of the things this year that we've looked at and, and really uh, want to see and understand is how we get that word implanted into our hearts, uh, get understanding, get wisdom, get knowledge of the word of God because it's so uh, transforming in our life. And so as we go through Ephesians and, and, and have looked at this in chapter one, I'm just going to give you a quick synopsis of what we've seen. We, we really saw that we are blessed. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he redeemed our life from destruction. And in redeeming our life from destruction, he said, I love you, I've forgiven you, and I've accepted you. Keeps a lot of people out, the lack of knowledge, feeling like they're rejected of God. They haven't lived up to it. They've made too many mistakes. But he lets us know right off the bat that, that I have loved you. I have redeemed. I've purchased your life back from what sin has done. And in redeeming your life, I've forgiven you. I've displayed my love and I have 
accepted you in the beloved. Then we see Paul prayed for us, prayed for the church, that we would have a greater knowledge of him, that in our knowledge of him, we would begin to know that there's an expectation of what he's called us to, that there's an inheritance that we have as saints of God, as children of God, and that there is exceeding great power released towards a believer, right? Exceeding great power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. There's miracle working power released towards us. And the same power that raised him from the dead and the power that seated him at God's own right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion and every name that is named. So now not only miracle working power but authoritative power has been given to us. Paul prayed that we would understand that. Why? Because when we have an understanding of who he is, who we are in him, that there is an expectation or a hope of living in him. He called us out of darkness into something far greater in relationship with him. And in that relationship with him, we have provision and we have power to live it out. Power to see things change, but also power over the enemy and really what had Come against us. So he lets us know at the end of that prayer that Jesus is the head over all things to the church. That's us. We are his body. And we, the body, are the fullness of him that fills everything in every place. So his desire for us, right? We were apart from him. He loved us. He forgave us. He redeemed us, right? He, he changed our life. He called us into himself, gave us an inheritance, gave us power so that we would begin to disperse all over the earth as his church and fill areas with his very life and his very nature. So God's called you. God's called you to a place. God's set you, not in your, only your family, but a neighborhood. He's put you in workplaces. He's given you uh, spheres of influence so that when we step into those places, that we are filling them up, right? We're not being overwhelmed by them, but we are coming in and filling them with the very nature and the life of God that he's given to us. All right, so then without chapter and verse in the original, but we break it down for thought. So he goes on to tell us, we'll just launch into this today. He says, in you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sin. So to realize we used to be dead. We used to be lifeless or without the life of God. Why? Because of trespass, because of mistakes, because of error, because of things that, that had been happened, the, the, the course that we were under, because we had sinned against God, we had gone away from God. He said we were dead, we were separate from the life of God, right? He said in which, verse 2, in which you uh, once walked according to the course of this world, or the age, or the set time, the, the operation of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. So in other words, the spirit of God is not working in the life of those who haven't accepted Jesus Christ. There's a different force working in that, the prince of the power of the air, right? He's working in the sons of disobedience. So we have to understand that a little bit. Many of you already know this. We've talked about this. But sometimes we don't. We read that. We say, listen, uh, he's talking about disobedient sons. No, he's not. He's, he's not talking about those whom, who are in Christ, who disobey, who need forgiveness. He said there's a whole course of this world that began 
at the disobedience of Adam where sin entered into the earth. Romans chapter 5 says through one man sin entered into the earth and all sinned. In other words, Adam was the the, 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 the federal head or the prototype of all mankind. When God created him, he said, now you reproduce after your kind. And so at that point when he said that, Adam was in a righteous condition. He was in right relationship with God. But in that creation that God created, and he said, here's everything I've made for you. Multiply, have dominion, flourish, do everything. But there's one aspect of all creation Because I've created you with a choice, it's necessary that there be a choice. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said at that point, if you go to that point, you're going to be faced with the decision, your way or my way. And at that moment, they were faced with that, and they chose their own way. They sinned. They said, our way, our decision, we believe, trumps God's decision. And when they made their own decision, they were separated from the very life and plan of God. And so, when he says the sons of disobedience, he's saying Adam's disobedience created a place that then Adam and Eve began to have offspring after their kind. If they would have reproduced while they were in a righteous state, man would have been born into righteousness. But because they had fallen into sin before they had offspring, All of their offspring were born into unrighteousness. They are sons of the disobedient one, right? So everybody without Christ are sons of disobedience. What does that mean? They're directed by the course of this world. The things that are happening in the age where where he's the God of this world. He's dictating the strife, the division, the things that happen aren't happening because of God. They're happening because of what Adam did in giving place to sin. Right? So he's explaining that to us. You were once dead, but God now made you alive unto himself. But understand this, that the world is going a course that we're in the middle of it, but we're not of it. We're in it, but we're not of it. So if we can begin to understand that. So he goes on to say this, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. So in other words, he said, listen, we all came from the same place. Not one person is exempt. We all needed to be forgiven. We were all dead in trespass and sin. We were all living according to the course of this world. Why? Because we were all once sons of Adam's disobedience. But God made us alive through Jesus Christ. Right? So it's really important that we understand that if you remember the parable, Jesus was talking, uh, not, not the parable, but the uh, action when, when the woman came in and she began to pour oil over Jesus and, and it was very expensive and she was just making a big deal of it. And the disciples were like, what is she doing? And Jesus said, you don't understand something. This woman has been forgiven much. Therefore, she loves much. But if somebody thinks they've been forgiven little, they love little. So I know this has never entered anybody's mind here. But I wasn't that bad. When I got saved, I wasn't that bad. You know, some people were bad. I mean, they needed to get saved. I mean, they were, 
I mean, they were a mess, but I really wasn't that much a mess. Which then we struggle with not how much we're a mess, but how much we love. We can start being critical of everybody else because we really didn't have those kind of problems. But Paul is saying we all had the same problem. And without Jesus, we were going according to the course of this world. But thank God. Thank God. He said every single one of us was by nature, by Adam's sin and being born into that, we were subject to God's wrath. God's wrath is not separate from his love. Because he loved man, he created man in a certain way. He hated sin. His wrath is not against people, it's against the sin that separates people from him. He hates sin. So we were all subject to that wrath. Now listen to this, this is the good news. He wanted us to know that. He wanted us to know God made you alive. You were dead. You were following the course of this world and you couldn't help it. You were a slave of sin, no matter what you thought about it. We were all once that way. We were all offspring of disobedience. We were all going to be subject to God's anger concerning that sin. But God. But God. Who is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Man, we start to look at that and go, whew. Well, then we start to be like that woman. Like, how can I love you? God, how can I return love for you? I was dead in my trespass and sin. I was, I was apart from you. I was going to be subject to your wrath. The wages of sin is death. You said that before it ever happened, right? You're true to your word. We think, well, why didn't he do something to stop it? He did. He said, if you eat this, you'll die. That's just the fact. That's the way I set it up from the beginning. Don't eat of that. We'll live together forever. We'll live in harmony. It'll be awesome. But you eat that tree, boom, something's going to happen. And as soon as they ate it, boom, something happened. Shock and awe. What happened? Exactly what God said would happen. Why? Because God's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, it'll happen. And that's what we want to look at. We don't, oh, all the good things, that's awesome. The bad thing, it won't happen to me because, you know, God loves me. No, if we do it, God loved them. God loved them to the ultimate. God gave them everything. God wanted to fellowship with them every day. He said, I want to be with you. I want to watch you flourish. I want to see you multiply. I want to see you fill this whole earth. Right? That's what he said in the beginning. And what did he just say? He said, I've restored the plan that through Jesus Christ, you are the fullness of him who fills everything. What did he tell him at the very beginning? Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So he's talking about a return to original plan. So he said, there was a mess. We were separated. But now, God, who is rich in mercy had every right to say, you're subject to wrath. But he was rich in mercy. And the Amplified Bible says it like this, in order to satisfy his great love for us. Not because we loved him so much. We were separate from him. But because he looked down and he saw us subject to the sin 
of Adam and the destruction and being led around as a slave of that sin directed by the course of this world that the enemy had direction of. Apart from God, God's heart yearned for his original plan. God's so rich in mercy in order to satisfy his great love for us sent Jesus. Wow. He sent Jesus. Just think about it. I know we've heard this. You've probably heard this a million times before. But it's really time we start taking it in. God wants to reveal some things about it. Because we can get, you know, we can get frivolous about it. I know this. I'm a Christian. But then we start to forget some things. He said, I want to keep in the forefront of your thinking how important this is that you know that I love you, that I'm for you, I'm not against you, that I accepted you, I redeemed you. You didn't make me redeem you. Of my own will, I sent Jesus to die for you because I cared about you when you didn't even care about me. I loved you when you didn't even know me. I even loved you when you thought you hated me because I knew that if I could get to your heart and you would listen, you'd know how much I loved you, and when you received that, then you could love me back, and we could have the relationship that I wanted and I created from the very beginning. Wow. That's good news. It's good news. So many people are lost, and we want to display that. We want to display that goodness because there's people out there who think God hates them, who think God's just waiting to knock them down because they've made too many mistakes. I've made too many mistakes. I've been too wrong. I've, made, I've done some bad, bad things, but God loves you. God loves you. You know, I think this just bears repeating. We, we gave this testimony. But, you know, religion gets you in that place. When we were uh, in, in Turkey, and, and we just were able to share with that one lady because she spoke English. Um, but this, the Iranian, uh, and so she said, you know, when they, we began to share the gospel with her, um, she just said, man, I don't, I don't want religion. I mean, I come from a place where, where religion and uh, this God I mean, he, he, he hates us. And we're like, what do you mean he hates you? And so she wasn't wearing a burqa. She had dyed her hair a different color. She said, if I'm not wearing, if I'm not covering this hair, they've told me God will hang me by this hair. I'm like, wow. And then, of course, you've heard just different testimonies uh, from Muhammad and, and them. You know, they have to beat themselves. It says God hates us. We have to beat ourselves and, and to prove that we love God. And so she said, I don't want any more of that, that kind of stuff. And I just, I felt impressed and gave her uh, this opportunity. I said, listen, I don't know. I don't know about your God, but the God of Jesus is not going to hang you by your hair because Jesus already hung on the cross for you. And he's not going to demand that you beat yourself because he was already beaten for your sake. That's how much God loves you. God doesn't hate you. God's not trying to beat you up. God's gonna, not going to make you hang yourself from some place. He already did it for you. He loves you. And within a few minutes, her countenance changed, realizing God loved her. And she prayed to accept Jesus Christ into her heart. She said, wow, that's extreme. But many people, even in America, feel like that. That religion, somehow God's out to get them. He's out to beat them down. But God is rich in mercy. Because of his great love in which he loved us, he extended 
grace upon that mercy. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us. He's returning to that initial thought. He made us alive together with Christ. Not to live on our own, but he made us alive and joined us in unity with Christ. It's like that unity we were talking about this morning where he wants to draw us into himself. That when he moves, we move. When he, his life is our life. And then he says, by grace, you have been saved. And raised up together and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What heavenly places? The place he just talked about in his prayer. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named. He said, when you know that you're positionally seated with Christ in heavenly places, then when the enemy comes against you, you realize, <laughs> in the name of Jesus, I have authority. I have authority. Jesus said to us when he left, he said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go and make disciples. Well, the connection of that is, I, I have authority. I give you authority. Go exercise that over the enemy to make disciples of every nation. He told his disciples, uh, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy so that nothing shall by any means hurt you. Right? And so that authoritative power that Paul prayed that we would understand and we would know, and then he reiterated, if you know what happened, that you're no longer separate from God in your sins and the mistakes that you've made, but he's joined you together with Christ. And he didn't just say, I've joined you together. Good luck with that. You got saved. Good luck until you get to heaven. No, he said, listen, in my mind, I drew you up into Christ, and I seated you at my own right hand in heavenly places. Why? Because that's where he is, and I see you in him. And all the authority that he has, and that was executed over the power of the enemy when he raised from the dead, and he defeated sin in his own body in the flesh... No longer is flesh subject to the dominion of sin because in his own flesh he defeated that sin so that all of us living in the flesh no longer have to be dominated by sin, but we can live above it in authority over it. We don't have to live in a mindset, this is just the way things are. No, if they're not set right with God, it's not the way things are intended to be. And he said, I give you authority to make the change. And the enemy say, no, you can't. You're helpless. And you, 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 don't expect that things will change. We got to get that hope. We got to get that expectation. Listen, if this is not what God said about me, it must change. I'm going to have what God said about me. Not what mama said about me. Not what daddy said about me. Not what my boss said about me. Not what somebody else said about me. I'm going to have what God said about me. Because what he said about me, he planned on bringing it to pass. So he sent Jesus to break the power of sin so I could have a different kind of life and a different quality of life. But you got to embrace that. you got to believe it. you got to see it in the Word. Man, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So listen, he raised us up. That what? In the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, his kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. He so said, listen, you couldn't do it. You couldn't have possibly been good enough 
See, some people will just say, well, I've lived a pretty good life. No, you can't live good enough to break what uh, the power of sin came. Jesus died. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. Right? Innocent life. That's why he said you, you have to bring a blood or bull, uh, a goat of the first kind without spot, without blemish. In other words, for sin, innocence had to be paid. But none of us were innocent because that sin was carried out through Adam. But one man, Jesus Christ, conceived by the Holy Spirit, came, God in the flesh, never having sinned, spotless blood, shed for us. Whew. Grace released. That which we could not do for ourselves, he did for us. And he said, listen, there's so much power in that grace. That grace is the favor of God, the ability of God, the influence of God to change your life. He said, you can't earn that. You have to exercise faith and obtain it. He said, so I did that all for you. All you have to do is believe it. And once you believe that I did all that for you, you didn't do it for yourself. He comes in and begins to activate everything he did for us. Newness of life. Newness of life. See, we want to say, well, I want a little bit of this and a little bit of that. There are some things of the old life that I really like. But there's some things I don't like. So can I take the life of Jesus and some of the old life? No, you can't commingle them. Why? Because the new life is far greater anyway. Your flesh is just trying to tell you, you know what, we would, wouldn't we like that better? But the end result, you never like. Why? Because it leads to separation from God and death. And living by the Spirit joins you to Him. Amen. So it's not of works lest we should boast about it. For now we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He said, listen, we've been separated from that old life. He goes on to say this. He said, there was, a, there was a, the people of God, the Jews, circumcised. You are uncircumcision." He said, you are apart from God. There was a separation between you and the people of God. You were without covenant promise. But through Jesus Christ, the wall of partition between God's people and the Gentiles was broken down. Now he brought peace to both. He, inter he commingled both being people of God. And now the covenant promises belong to us. Why? We are no longer doing the works of the law trying to earn something. Now we get to step into that very thing that he called us from, from the beginning, good works, being fruitful, multiplying, filling the earth with all that he has and all that he is, filling the earth with the fullness of him to do good works. He already ordained for us to do works in reaching people with the goodness of God. Good works. Good works. Not to earn something, right? We're not looking and saying, where I was, look at all these people that I got saved. I really did a good work. Well, you did, but you didn't do it to, to say, God, now look what I did. Do I get a bonus? No, we say, man, because God did it for me, I know he'll do it for you. Because you don't know I already know what it's like to be dead in trespass and sin. I already know what it's like to be driven by the course of this world. I see what you're going through, but I've been set free. And so I'm working to let you know you can be free. 
not to earn anything with God, like I, look at what I did, but because of what you did for me. I live this life so that somebody else can be saved. Praise the Lord. All right, we better just end there or we won't get done with the rest of it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. And we magnify you. First of all, we're just thankful for your great blessing towards us. So thankful. Thankful for Eileen and Peter's testimony, God, of your goodness, your restoration, your wholeness to them. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word, what you've shared with us in your word. We thank you that even though we were separate from you, we are now redeemed, washed by the blood, forgiven as we put our faith in Jesus Christ. So we love you. We love you, not because we're so good at it, but because you first loved us, and you're really good at it. And we're so thankful for your love for us. Holy Spirit, I ask you, even in this week, we draw closer to you. You pull us into yourself more and more. We talked about this morning, we're more sensitive of your, to hear your voice, to know your leading. That as we get more sensitive, you teach us concerning this life. That because of your love, you redeemed us. Teach us about your grace, to how to access it by faith. You are our teacher. You're our guide. So we ask you for divine appointments, divine appointments with you this week, that you'd set up divine appointments where we could share you with others. God, we thank you that souls will be saved in the kingdom of God as we live out this life, this newness of life. We are bright lights to those around us. We thank you, Lord, for your great love. We thank you for strengthening us in our inner man. We thank you for accepting us, forgiving us, that we truly might walk in this newness of life and experience the covenant promises that you've made to us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll have our altar workers up here. Um, if you need prayer for anything, they'll be up here to pray for you. Hallelujah. Is there anybody here you need prayer for healing uh, tonight? Raise your hand. You need prayer for healing? Anybody? If not, that's awesome. Because everybody's healed. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. But Started. Does she need prayer for healing? All right. Well, we'll pray over that blister on her heel. Father, we thank you right now. The name of Jesus. We pray for star right now. God, you're so good. There is nothing too small or too great for you. So we pray concerning this blister that's giving her trouble. That God, you begin to work right now and heal that blister. That doesn't give her any pain, doesn't give her any trouble. But you heal it, you bring brand new skin over that place where it was wore off, where it would peel off. And I thank you, you restore that totally. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you need prayer for anything else, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, say, tonight's my night. Altar workers will be up here to pray, uh, let you know, show you some scripture, and pray so that you can make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, uh, and you'll never be the same again. Amen? Why don't you stand up? Say as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus. far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall.
You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.